All praises to the Most High and the Most High only. I'm your host, Brownson Arabiji. I'm bringing to you another episode of The Narrow Path of the Righteous. The Most High put it on my spirit to speak on regret to feel sorry disappointed distressed or remorseful about to remember with a feeling of loss or sorrow mourn sorrow aroused by circumstances beyond one's control or power to repair an expression of distressing emotion. When we take a look at the definition of a regret, it's clear that many of us can relate to these feelings, to feel sorry, to feel disappointed, to feel distressed, or to feel remorseful. When certain situations and circumstances are beyond our control, or our power to repair. Oftentimes, we feel regret. Many of us are flooded with emotions and thoughts. What if, what if scenarios? If I had done this, would this have happened? If I hadn't done this, would this have happened? You know, we've all been through it many times throughout our lives. And in my honest opinion, regret is probably one of the worst emotions or circumstances that you could come across. It's something that can eat away at you over time. Regret is something that leads a lot of people into depression. Regret is something that leads a lot of people into deep depression and then suicide. When a person feels that their circumstances are beyond their control or power to repair, it's easy for that remorse and that sorrow and that despair to kick in. It's easy to wanna give up and throw your hands in the air. And regret is something that many of us fight each and every single day. To have regret is a normal part of life. It happens to everyone. Regardless of whether you deem yourself righteous and you seek the Most High, you seek the Law, Statutes, and the Commandments, or whether you just don't care at all, We've all gone through regret. Some more than others. You know, regret 
is oftentimes tied to major events in our life. Events such as family matters, whether it's issues with your parents or your siblings or aunts or uncles or grandparents or cousins. Regret can also come in the form of friendships that may have dissolved over time or things just went south and the circumstances became beyond your control or power to repair. Regret can also come in the form of relationships. You know, your first girlfriend or boyfriend. A lot of these memories and life events are tied to regret. You know, many of us have had to stumble and fall and get back up multiple times throughout our life in order to come onto the narrow path of the righteous, in order to seek and find the Most High and sift through all of the deception and all of the manipulation tactics because there's so much. And to get to this point isn't easy. And many of us have had to fight with regret. You know, there could have been time periods in our lives where we weren't righteous, we weren't seeking righteousness, or we didn't know about righteousness to the extent that we know now. And we were living life for Babylon. We were living life the way in which we were taught and indoctrinated. We were living life according to the herd mentality. And therefore, it was easy for us to lack compassion. It was easy for us to be selfish individuals in which the selfishness turned into manipulation or we had alternative motives or we used people to get what we wanted and then threw them to the wayside. You know, that manipulation quickly turns into negativity, all of which is who you become. Many of us, when we consistently put Babylon first, consistently put the ways of Babylon before other things in our life, we become selfish, we become, we become manipulative, and we become negative all at once. And living that way will mean that you can hurt or harm people who mean you well. Family, friends, acquaintances, strangers, it doesn't matter. Spouses, loved ones. You see, when we live for Babylon, all we're ever going to have in life is regret. Regret that we didn't change sooner enough. Regret that we didn't listen to that advice because we were too arrogant, we were egotistical, and our pride was too much. You know, we couldn't be told anything. You couldn't give us any advice. We knew everything, right? 
only to find out later that we knew nothing. And oftentimes we were actually dumb. We were stupid. We were foolish. And we pushed people away that may have been in our lives for a reason. We hurt and we harmed people that may have been put into our lives for a reason. And we have to deal with the the repercussions. There's always consequences to every action. And many of us learn over time, over the years, how big of a mistake that was and how much we regret it. You know, hindsight's always 2020. And that's why I'm a huge proponent of taking care of our children and why it really takes a village to raise a child. While why both parents need to be on the same page. While the whole family of both parents, both sides, need to respect that parent those parents and be on the same page with them as well. You see, many life lessons I didn't come to realize until later in life. You know, when you're younger, it is natural to be selfish. In fact, it is a requirement. It is vital for children to be selfish because children don't know anything about the world. Every single day is a new experience to a child. Think about it because every single day we almost, as adults, almost always have new experiences. Nothing's ever the exact same. You're never going to have a one day that plays out the exact same as the day before, down to the T. That's never going to happen. So even as adults, we are constantly experiencing things and learning and absorbing everything around us. And for a child, every day is a new day and they have to be selfish because they're in a discovery stage. They don't have the capacity to think beyond themselves. They don't even realize the definition of selfishness. And that's okay. They're just children. That's how the Most High made our children. They need to be protected by their parents and their support system. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, everything. Because children will learn various lessons and wisdom throughout that village throughout the people taking care of them. They'll learn to honor their parents because the parents in a perfect scenario are going to be most high only and are going to be about the laws, the statutes, and the commandments. Not about the stories. They're not going to wrap their kids up in stories and fables and parables. They're going to be direct and they're going to introduce that child to the Most High immediately so that that child is grounded in the Most High. And that child can continue to learn life lessons, whether it's from mom or whether it's from dad, because each parent has a role. Don't expect a father to be as nurturing as the mother is, because that's the mother's natural role. Many mothers don't prepare for motherhood the way that they want, but it comes naturally to many of them. 
because that's how the Most High made them. To be nurturers, to be givers, to be teachers, to offer emotional support, to teach the child about their emotions. A father brings direction, guidance, and leadership. A father brings provision and protection. A father brings balance to the whole entire household. And two wise parents will recognize those roles and they will love it. When they are in their natural role, they will absolutely love it because that's where they shine at. You know, the father is going to be the disciplinary. And that's not to say mothers don't discipline children. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it comes naturally to fathers who are there for their children, who want to be there for their children. Because the lessons that we teach our children are profound and we're always thinking ahead. So when we're teaching our children about respect or discipline, it may not necessarily just be in that moment. It's for the future. So that that child is equipped for the future. You know, when a mother takes the time to nurture and feed and teach a child, that is all unconditional love. And that can be a lesson for that child. Something that sticks with them, something that they always remember so that they can give back to their future children. You see, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from my parents is respect. And I thank my parents so much for it because it goes beyond what many people understand. And respect is respect for your everyday man or woman. That people deserve respect, especially our elders. So it wasn't uncommon for me to say ma'am or sir. In fact, that's all I would respond to my elders as, even if they weren't elderly. So they still were ma'am or sir, unless they told me otherwise. And my parents always respected their elders, whether they had older siblings or if they had grandparents, they always respected their elders. It was quite amazing to hear how my dad would talk with his mother on the phone when he would be able to call back home to Nigeria. And my dad has always been a leader. He's always been a man's man. He's been fearless, strong, genuine, courageous, honorable, respectful, and wise throughout my upbringing. And when I would hear him on the phone with his mother, it was like I got a glimpse into the kid in him and how the conversation with her made him feel you know, nurtured and loved, even over the phone, even thousands of miles away. Just seeing his demeanor and his energy change. 
and I'm sure in his head, he had many lessons running through his mind. Lessons that his mom taught him and his father taught him to equip him for the life that he lives. You know, I say these things and I share these experiences because they stick with me. Even the love that my mom has always had for her family, even though they've gone through so much trauma, she's always been about family. Same with my father. And they instilled that in my brother and I. And even the lessons they taught me about discipline and keeping my room clean and making my bed and doing the dishes when I was tall enough to look over the sink, I hated those things growing up. You'd almost, as a kid, you're so selfish that you'd think that it's punishment, but when in reality, your parents are setting you up for success. And I thank my parents because I know that's one thing that they don't regret is how they raised me. To be genuine, to love people for who they are, to find common ground with any type of person and to not look down at my fellow man or woman. And I carry these lessons throughout my life. And I'm thankful that my parents were able to instill them in me. But think about the contrary, about the children who don't have that direction, guidance, and leadership, and how that affects them and how that can have them go down a different path in life and end up wasting time, wasting years, wasting decades of their life only to find out later and regret it and oftentimes become resentful towards their parents. You know, there's too many broken homes, especially in my community. And that's not to say that there's not many, bro there's not broken homes in all nations. I'm not saying that. But speaking from my perspective, I see why many of our young men and older men and elders and young women and older women and, and elders have so much regret. Regret all the time wasted. Regret not being there for their children. Regret trying to trap a man or aborting their babies, regret that homicide or the selling of that, that drug that night or that day. You know, there's so many people filled up to their neck with regret. And regret will definitely bring about disappointment, distress, and remorse. And when you're in that mindset for too long, it can weigh heavy on your heart, your mind, and your soul. That's what brings about depression. I'm a firm believer of that. You know, when a person practices escapism, whether through alcohol or through drugs or through video games or entertainment or through promiscuity or porn, they're clearly running from something and they clearly are regretful about something until it becomes unbearable. You know, we as people, we as men and women do not take the time 
to look at ourselves in the mirror, flaws and all. We don't understand self-actualization and being honest with ourselves about areas that need improvement, areas that are holding us back and areas that are making us selfish and manipulative and negative. Regret. Is it going to be a big topic in the days, weeks, and months ahead in Babylon? And when we speak from a perspective of righteousness, we already know many people are going to regret not seeking the Most High throughout their life. Whether they're an elder, an adult, a young adult, an adolescent, many people are going to regret it. And I'm going to, I won't put too much emphasis on, a, on an adolescent, so to speak, because I do believe that Most High is very merciful and very patient with our young adolescents, especially the ones who are steered incorrectly. And that's why I, there's so much emphasis on the importance of putting this truth out. Because I have a responsibility, not just to my family and my friends, but to the creation of the Most High. I don't know who's listening. I don't know who needs to hear this message. I know that making these podcasts help heal me, that it's helped, it's therapy for me. It helps me be aligned and connected even greater with the Most High. But it goes beyond that. This is the work of the Most High. This is not my work. The Most High is just using me as a vessel. I'm just a tool for the Most High, and I put out what the Most High puts on my heart, mind, and soul. But when I think about the impact of this podcast and the message that the Most High has created, you have to understand that it's for our future children and our future generations, without a doubt. It's 100% for them. Because they need the direction, guidance, and leadership more than any of us. Our young adolescents, our, ch our youth, our children, and our babies. I don't want to leave this creation and have any regret that I didn't do whatever it took for the youth, for my babies, for my children, for the future generations of this earth. I will never leave this earth with any of those regrets because that's really who I do it for other than just justice, righteousness, and truth. That's what I, my life is. But many of us as adults have this regret and that's what we're going to see in the days, weeks, and months ahead, especially when all the people who called us conspiracy theorists or crazy or wackos or whatever it is, they're going to regret not listening to us. They're going to regret mocking us. They're going to regret gossiping about us. They're going to regret slandering our names. They really are. They're going to eat their words and they're going to choke on it. And many of them are going to lose their mind. And this is just the truth. Those that know, know what I'm saying. You understand the message. And this is not some, oh, I told you so type of thing. I've never been that type of person. I've never taken joy out of seeing people hit rock bottom or be at their low point. No one could ever say that about me. I've always cared about people. But the truth still needs to be said. 
we're going to do a deep dive into the into regret and what it means to be regretful and what it does to a person how it affects an individual's life and the path that they can go down we're going to do a deep dive into how Babylon has shaped us and indoctrinated us and brainwashed us and used predictive programming on us through the education, financial, government, healthcare, and religious systems to make us guard dogs of this Babylonian Nephilim beast soulless system so that we in turn become selfish, we become manipulative. And we become negative. All of which are the complete opposite of the Most High. Why do you think so many people have denied the Most High up to this point? Other than, you know, the new, the, the recent revelations in the last months of Nephilim being amongst us. But let's just think about it from the perspective of why do you think most people, even if they are real men or women of the Most High, why do you think so many of them deny the Most High? It's definitely through these indoctrination systems. It's definitely from idolatry. And idolatry is a generational curse, in my opinion. It can be passed down. In most cases, that's what our parents do. They pass down generational curses to us. And this is not to disparage or disrespect my parents. Anybody who listens to the podcast knows I honor my parents. My parents know I honor them to death. I would never let anything happen to him that's outside of my control. But the fact of the matter is, that's how regret comes to the surface. You know, many of us had to grow up in the church, in Catholicism or Christianity or even Buddhism or Islam or, you know, Hinduism, whatever it may be, of the thousands of different religions. And so, of course, we were steered incorrectly. Of course, we were in witchcraft and magic, and we didn't know. But the issue is with that is that many of us then become adults, and through the brainwashing, through the indoctrination systems of education, financial, government, healthcare, and religious. We then become this perfect little obedient slave to Babylon, to the Nephilim. And of course, we're never going to question the way in which we were brought up. Of course, we won't. And that's why many people end up in situations where they are completely against the Most High, where they just don't even care about the Most High, where in fact, many people hate the Most High and mock the Most High. I've seen it. I've seen it with people I know. And you think to yourself, how did it get to this point? But we must always remember and take into account the power of idolatry and how it is truly a curse and how it truly needs to be the number one thing, arguably the number one issue with this world. Because when you think about it, every issue stems from a form of idolatry. Idolizing a beast system trusting in the things that they give you even though they repeatedly hurt you over and over and over but you still trust in them you still follow them you still listen 
you got to ask yourself why why is that you know all of the distractions they give you the alcohol the drugs the the entertainment the nightlife the sports the online dating all of this stuff it just wraps people's lives up until they're old and they wonder why they are in the same position that they were 10 15 20 years ago and I'm not talking about financially so to speak yes a lot of people may remain in the same financial situation but what I'm talking about is spiritually and mentally where a person feels flat or empty in life many people start developing that regret and like I said as the days weeks and months continue on we have some very dark days ahead and the people who did not heed our warnings to the people who went as far as gossiping, slandering, and mocking us. To the people who love to argue and debate and try to persuade us into the herd mentality. Or just did so to cause division or waste our time. You're going to soon be full with regrets. And that's just the truth. And this is just a warning to those who are still on the fence, to those who are still in idle time, wasting time, one foot in, one foot out of righteousness. It's just a warning. This is not something that you turn off and on. This is something that you become. And many people are gonna regret not taking these steps because following the Most High's instructions, it does not put a damper on your life. In fact, it improves it in all aspects of life. So why do the opposite and then end up regretting later on? You know, many people are so wrapped up in Babylon that they're never going to even see why there's a need to regret anything. That's going to be how a lot of many, how a lot of people go down. They'll go down right along with Babylon to their last dying breath. But the vast majority, in my opinion, are going to regret the decisions they've made, the path that they've gone down, the fact that they've not seeked out the Most High with all their heart, mind, and soul. Because the Most High is going to know how much effort you put into it. And with all the drops that I continue to receive from the Most High, and then the drops that the Most High shares through the Righteous Brothers, Edgar Mendex, Paul Davis surf only the creator and sword of Dawood even the mag all these brothers all these drops have all but confirmed what we know about the creation of the most high and the hijacking and the Nephilim hijack and where the world is going and I'm 
so incredibly humbled and thankful to the Most High to have put me on this path to be able to give back, to be able to make up for the time periods in my life in which I was letting the Most High down, in which I was disappointing the Most High, even upsetting the Most High, to the times in my life where I was incredibly selfish and manipulative and negative. The people that I hurt and stabbed in the back, lied to, stole from, cheated on. You know, that regret can eat a man alive. Especially when you're seeking righteousness. You know, a lot of people who are wicked and love Babylon, they're going to do the things that I do even worse and not even bat an eyelash. Wouldn't even care. But when you're seeking the Most High, these things come to the surface. You can't ignore them. So regret can even happen to all of us. There's times where I wish that old friend was still a phone call away. Or I hadn't hurt a previous woman in my life the way that I had done. You know, all of these things go through your head and that's normal. The difference is when you seek out the Most High, these are things that you don't let consume you and destroy you. You learn from them. They're continued lessons and drops. You know, you know what's amazing? It's like, I, I'm learning every day. <laughs> Not just about myself and the people around me, my family, my friends, strangers, the world, but the creation of the Most High, as well as the characteristics of the Most High. Every day is like an adventure, so to speak. Because there's so much to uncover, there's so much to grasp, there's so much to absorb. So, I don't even have room for regret anymore in my life. I don't. Because I seek justice, righteousness, and truth. And I consider myself righteous because I follow the instructions to the best of my abilities and I'm tapped in. You see, when you're tapped in and you're in the zone, it's not like you gotta, it's not like I gotta like get prepared to be righteous. It's no, it's, it's, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, the most high is in all my thoughts as possible. You know, you slip up from time to time, but really when you are doing it consistently and you're seeking righteousness consistently and seeking truth consistently, it, 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 it you become it. So it's not like you have to turn it off and on. It's not like you have to, to preheat the righteousness and wait for the timer and the ticker. It's, it's in you. It's there. So when you are in this zone, when you are in a righteous frame of mind, you're really not going to even have room for regret. Yeah, there's times you stop and think about family members or past friends or past relationships, past things that you did, and you, you remorse. It's not like that's something that's odd. All of us have memories and we can be remorseful. 
We all have nostalgic memories. You know, oftentimes one way, one thing that helps me get through the days is thinking about, you know, some of the best memories that I've had with family or with friends. Because it takes you back to times in which the world wasn't as obviously sinister and dark and wicked and vile as it is now. A world in which you felt safer as a child or even children around you were safe. And it's okay to go back to that some, once in a while. But for me, I don't yearn for that because that still is not the creation of the Most High. That was just a facade. I wasn't in the right mindset. Even back then, there's people who were, were at the level of knowledge that I'm at and the brothers that I, I mentioned earlier. So it's not like they were enjoying what they were saying. There's always people that come before us. There really is. And to those who are living in regret, living through regrets, I recommend that you face them. I recommend that you begin the healing process by forgiving yourself or forgiving anyone who caused you anguish or trauma or pain or grief or misery. Holding that energy against someone or for some reason, it's not gonna do you any good. In fact, it's, it's only going to harm you. Seek the Most High. Let the Most High heal you. Let the Most High be your teacher. Let the Most High be your direction, guidance, and leadership. And you will begin to see your life transform. That regret that eats you alive will begin to melt away. And you'll begin to be able to let go. And most importantly, your soul will be intact. You will have peace of mind. You will have vision. You'll be able to have sight. You'll have eyes to see with, ears to hear with, and a mind to think with. And honestly, that is a rare thing in today's day and age. Many people have already given up their soul. And there's no going back for a lot of people. But if you are in that situation where you can make a decision, I highly recommend making the right one and seeking the most high. What do you have to lose? I've always wondered that about people. I mean, now that I know most people are nef Nephilim, but I've always wondered, even before I knew that, I always wondered that about people. I'm like, why is this, what, what makes you hate the most high? What makes you not want to put the work in? And I, you know, I can't say I've always been this consistent. I'd be lying or I'd be a hypocrite if I said, because we've all had our times in our life where we were in and out, in and out. Or we were into idolatry, we were worshiping other gods, or we were into religions, it's all the same. But I always wondered, even growing up, when you'd notice somebody was almost anti-most high, or when you get into the high school and college age when people are saying when people are beginning to lean on the religion of science and become a part of the cult of science and then just blaspheming the most high and talking down on the most high as if the most high is not the creator i always thought to myself what was it, what what gives with those people and it definitely has to go back to how they're raised it has to go back to their bloodline it has to go back to who they are 
in the creation of the Most High. I don't know if they're a Nephilim. I don't know if they're a hybrid. I don't know if what nation they're a part of. I don't know. These are things I didn't know. But regardless of all that, many people are going to live in regret. Many people live in regret daily. And I couldn't imagine living like that. That just sounds like a snare. That sounds like calamity, which the Most High warned us about. Most High even told us that there's calamities for rebels and sinners and those who forsake the Most High will perish. We know that. We already know that there's no peace for the wicked. So I know many people fight regret every day. They're up to their neck in calamity and stress. It's because they love the system, a system in which it favors selfishness, manipulation, and negativity. And people eat it up, people absorb it, people become it. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me to see and know how many people live in regret and are going to be very regretful as the days, weeks, and months continue on. All the people who didn't listen to the warnings, who just watched their television and ran with everything that they heard, they're going to regret very soon. I mean, think about this whole entire last year and a half when we've witnessed at least the ones who are alive right now are witnessing the biggest hoax that we've ever known in terms of the history they gave us we don't know if there's anything else like this but you know what I mean because they gave you the New Testament they gave you the scripts right they're showing you in real time the mark of the beast they're showing you in real time the depopulation agenda. And many people continue to ignore the dire warnings of family members, of friends, of strangers. They refuse to look into anything. And they've been lied to. They've been deceived. They've been bamboozled. They've been manipulated. And they've been poisoned. And many people are going to regret that, especially when people start falling here soon, because they already are at a rapid rate. And many of us have to repair, we have to get ourselves ready emotionally, physically, and spiritually for what's to come, whether you had family members or friends or loved ones that took the, the poison, the mark of the beast. Many of us have already mourned and are still mourning for them. And we, to a degree, many of us have regrets. You know, I oftentimes ask myself, why was I not in this truth earlier? Or why was I not, why was I not making podcasts earlier? I wish I could have helped my family. I wish I could have helped this family member more, you know, this friend more. And then I have to snap back into reality and remember that Most High works the way that the Most High wants to work that that was the time in which the Most High came to me and I heeded the message. So in those moments of regret, I I let go of them right away because I know that 
There's something bigger, there's something greater to what I have to do, and I haven't finished it yet. I'm just beginning. Yes, it hurts knowing that, knowing what I know, in, know now and wish that I had known it five years earlier, ten years earlier, so I could have started to at least chip away at my family and my friends and have more time to show them the truth. But ultimately, that's not the case. As long as I'm warning those around me, then I've done my job, right? It's just going to be disheartening to see the level of regret from the people who didn't listen to the people who continue to try to argue with us or convert or convince or debate or persuade us into their lunacy because it is it is absolutely crazy how people are now i've been really thinking about it and people are just out of their minds and once the truth really comes out that level of regret is going to be astronomical it's going to be ridiculously large and we have to prepare for it. The righteous have to prepare for it. You have to be strong. We're gonna have to lean on the most high for a lot of things because we're gonna see some things that we've never seen before, things that can make a person give up and wanna end it. The pain and trauma down the road is gonna be incredible in terms of how astounding it's gonna be. And that's why I prepare for it every day. That's why I spend the quality time with family and friends while I can. That's why I'm making memories. I'm getting out in nature. I'm enjoying life to the best of my ability all while doing what the Most High has brought me to do. I don't really have any other time. I don't have time to waste. I don't fool around with entertainment, with sports. I don't keep up with movies or TV shows. I don't keep up with any of that video games, any of that leisure stuff because I know time is of the essence. I know lives are on the line, not just my own. I'm not going to live with regret. In the days, weeks, and, and months ahead, I'm not going to live with regret. And that's the promise that I made to myself. And the Most High. And we know how the Most High is about vows. I don't break vows. I don't say things unless I know I can, do, I can come through with them. Let's take a look at the definition of regret. To feel sorry, disappointed, distressed, or remorseful about. To remember with a feeling of loss or sorrow. Mourn. Sorrow aroused by circumstances beyond one's control or power to repair. An expression of distressing emotions such as sorrow. To mourn the loss or death of to miss very much, to be very sor sorry for. And that's how many people are living and continue to live. According to the psychologytoday.com article entitled The Psychology of Regret, written by Melanie Greenberg and published on May 16, 2012, What is regret? Regret is a negative, cognitive, or emotional state that involves blaming ourselves for a bad outcome, feeling a sense of loss or sorrow at what might have been, or wishing we could undo a previous choice that we made. 
for young people in particular, regret, although painful to experience, can be a helpful emotion. The pain of regret can result in refocusing and taking corrective action or pursuing a new path. However, the less opportunity one has to change the situation, the more likely it is that regret can turn into rumination and trigger chronic stress that damages mind and body. Do men and women differ in the things they regret? Studies on gender differences in regret show the increased value that women put on relationships and how women may have more difficulty disengaging attention from past relationships. Overall, 44% of women surveyed in one study had romantic regrets versus just 19% of men. This result may also reflect men's greater tendency to replace lost relationships quickly with new partners. In this study, those not currently in a relationship had perhaps, understandably, more regret over past ones. Do people living in the U.S. experience regret more than other in other cultures? Research studies have compared the experience of regret in cultures such as the U.S., where individuals have more choice over their life's course, compared to more collectivist cultures, where families have much more control over an individual's life choices. Not surprisingly, regret is much more commonly experienced and reported to have more positive aspects by young people in the U.S. People in collective cultures, which de-emphasize individual choice, have less of a basis for blaming themselves for negative outcomes. They may feel as if they had no other choice so they may as well accept the situation and make the best of it. Do people experience more regret when they look back over long periods? Other research has compared regret over different time periods, over short time periods. People are more likely to regret actions taken and mistakes made, whereas over long time periods, they are more likely to regret actions not taken, such as missed opportunities for love, or working too hard and not spending enough time with family. Is there any value in regret? Researcher Neil Rose of the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University is a leader in the field of regret research. His studies of younger people have shown that regret was rated more favorably than unfavorably primarily because of its inform informational value and motivating corrective action. Interestingly, regret was rated highest of a list of negative emotions and fulfilling five functions. And number one, making sense of the world. Number two, avoiding future negative behaviors. Number three, gaining insight. Number four, achieving social harmony. Number five, improving ability to approach desired opportunities, presumably because we regret past passivity. Can regret have long-term effects on well-being? Regret can have damaging effects on mind and body when it turns into fruitless rumination and self-blame that keeps people from re-engaging with life. 
This pattern of repetitive, negative, self-focused, ruminative thinking is characteristic of depression. It may be a cause of this mental health problem as well. Other researchers, research reported in the AARP newsletter shows that regret can result in chronic stress, negatively affecting hormonal and immunal system functioning. Regret impedes the ability to recover from stressful life events by extending their emotional reach for months, years, or a lifetime. And what did we mention? Many people live with this regret for years, for a lifetime. So of course it's going to affect their mind and body and their soul because they're harping over it. That's, a, that's basically a calamity when you think about it. The article goes on to state, what is the cognitive basis of regret? Regret can also stem from counterfactual thinking. In other words, the easier it is to envision a diff different outcome, the more likely we are to regret the lost opportunity. The Harvard newsletter tells the story of a man in Liverpool who always chose the same set of lottery numbers. One time, however, he forgot to buy a ticket and his numbers came up. According to the story, the poor man was so full of self-reclamation and regret that he committed suicide. Coming that close to a life of riches and then not getting it because of his own inaction was perhaps too much to bear. Interestingly, career mistakes are, are a frequent source of regret in research studies, perhaps because of opportunities that people come close to but miss. Can advertisers harness the power of regret? Advertisers often harness the power of regret to get people to buy products. We are all familiar with those depressing ads for life insurance in which conversations after the funeral focus on regrets about not buying insurance policies and the difficulties that arose as a result. More recently, VA, a brand of vegetable juice, has released an ad campaign with a slogan, I could have had a V8. The idea is to motivate people to have the V8 next time. Similarly, brands such as Nike that focus on exercise use slogans focusing on next day regret for not exercising as a way to motivate healthier lifestyles, presumably leading to more use of their products. Luxury retailers familiar with the research could also presumably stimulate consumers to think about how they would feel 10 years from now if they had bought the cheaper sweater instead of the cashmere. And of course, you know, Babylon's going to take advantage of your regret. Of course, you're pushed products and you're advertised on because they know that you're going to be in regret. They know that by keeping you in the rat race, all you're going to think about is work, work, work. You're going to lose out on those family memories. Your health is going to deteriorate. So that's why they set up life insurance and they set up all these things. I mean, think about it. It's deeper than you think. They profit and benefit off of our misery and our calamity. What can we do to cope with regret? Number one, harness the functional aspects. Regret, like all emotions, has a function for survival. It is our brain's way of telling us to take another look at our choices, a signal that our actions may be leading to negative consequences. 
Regret is a major reason why addicts get into recovery. Number two, if there is nothing you can do to change the situation, just let it, let it go. If you get stuck blaming yourself and regretting past actions, this could turn into depression and damage your self-esteem. Find a way to forgive yourself and let it go. You could think about what you would say to a loved one in the same situation to make them feel better. Most people have an easier time forgiving others than themselves. Number three, consider the circumstances that may have made it more difficult to make good choices in that particular instance or the fact that you had limited knowledge at the time. Perhaps you had to make a quick decision under time pressure or had multiple stressors go stresses going on. Number four, reframe the situation more positively. Think about life as a journey. Everybody makes mistakes. They can be opportunities to learn important life lessons about yourself, including your values, vulnerabilities, and triggers, as well as about other people. You can also use past regrets to decide how to take better care of yourself in the future. You know, this article was just straight to the point. It really did a deep dive on the deeper layers of regret. And a lot stood out to me, especially in terms of how the continued regret can turn into rumination and trigger chronic stress that damages mind and body. And we already know what stress turns into. It turns into depression. It puts you in a negative mindset. And being consistently stressed out or depressed, you're taking away from your life and your energy force. When you're constantly stressed out, your body is also stressed and under strain. So of course, regret is going to lead to this. Of course, regret is something that both men and women face. And it lasts, it can last a whole entire lifetime. Even this article stated it. A lot of people are living with that regret. And there's infinite amount of ways in which a person could be regretful. And oftentimes it's because of our idolatry that leads to these huge moments in our lives of regret especially when it's too late to make amends and we got to ask ourselves what can we do to champion it and go and make sure that we're not in these situations and like I said that's to get right with the most high to follow the law, statutes, and commandments, and you're going to regret a lot less, and you're going to be able to forgive yourself and move on, and you won't make those same mistakes over and over and over. According to the Guardian.com article entitled, Regret Can Seriously Damage Your Mental Health, Here's How to Leave It Behind, written by Moa Sarner and published on June 27, 2019. There, is, there was once a banker in his 50s who had worked seven days a week for 25 years and became a very wealthy man. Then at the apex of his career, he looked around him and realized that he had entirely neglected his family. As a result, his family had rejected him. The regret was overwhelming and came out in panic attacks every Sunday. 
Would this man be able to find a way out of this cruel place he had created for himself? This man was a patient of the psychoanalyst David Morgan of the Institute of Psychoanalysis, who spent several years helping him explore what had compelled him to work so hard to ignore the children. became clear that this need to become richer than everyone else had roots in his very early childhood when he watched his parents nearly starve to death during the 1980s minor strike he had unconsciously repeated this by impoverishing his children by not letting by not being there for them in turn impoverishing himself of these loving relationships in his efforts to overcome the traumatic poverty of his childhood That complicated understanding, Morgan explains, freed things up, setting his regret in a generational context so he didn't have to feel quite so guilty for acting something out. Because it was beyond his kin. It doesn't mean that he can't feel real pain, but that pain is giving a sense of history. This meant his regret could be understood and given meaning, and that changed his life. Regret can be all-consuming, and it can destroy lives. We can see it all around us, whether it is the man who could not forgive himself for cheating on his first girlfriend and has not had a serious relationship in 30 years, or the woman who is so tied up in wishing she, she'd she had a child with her ex-partner instead of breaking up with him, that she cannot find happiness in her current circumstances. It is not unusual for patients to seek therapy because they feel plagued by regret and unable to live full lives because of it, says Morgan. Whether it is over affairs, career choices, or relationships, the kind of regret that brings people to his consulting room is paranoid and persecutory. It's, oh God, I'm so terrible, I'm dreadful. He says, it is self-flagellation, and it can be incredibly damaging to our mental health. It is exhausting. It sucks all joy and fulfillment from our days, and it leaves us stuck always looking backwards and unable to move forward in our lives. The cognitive behavior therapist Wendy Dryden says that when we are trapped in the cycle of regret, characterized by rigidity and inflexibility, we only seem able to blame ourselves for what has happened, rather than seeing our behavior in a wider context and understanding why we took the path we did. Based on the information we had at the time, under these conditions, regret will become toxic. And that's true. You know, like I had mentioned before, even the regret I had for not coming into the truth earlier, not being more serious about seeking the most high in my early to mid twenties, not, you know, not being able to warn my family years prior. You know, I am able to not allow that to consume me because I sit back and I think about where was I in life at that time? What was I going through? Where was my family in life? And then you remember, I didn't have that information. I didn't come across these YouTube channels. I didn't have the right direction, guidance, or leadership. I didn't know 
how to seek the most high correctly. I didn't understand the importance of the laws, the statutes, the commandments. I didn't really understand righteousness. You know, because you don't know what you don't know. And we are conditioned to believe that, you know, as long as we say the name of, of all these hundreds of different, you know, Sumerian names or Egyptian God, God names that we're okay, but we don't have to put the work in, right? You see, when you remember things like that, when you, when you, when the Most High connects the dots for things like this for you, that regret goes away. Yeah, you might have it linger a little bit, but it doesn't consume you and it doesn't become toxic and overwhelming. It's just some food for thought. The article goes on to state, yet, strange as it sounds, there are people from whom this kind of regret can, can, can become a safe haven because it can protect them from the pain and risk of living a full life. Catriano Rotsley, a couple psych psychoanalytic psychotherapist at Tavistock Relationships London, says that regret can be used by some as a defense against loving. She describes the scenario made up of various anonymous patients, a woman whom I'll call Amy, after leaving a long-term marriage, held on to her regret at having married too young and stayed too long and was determined not to make any mistakes the next time around. Ready to make a fresh start, she signed up on various dating websites and began going on first dates. Although there were men who wanted a second date, Rotsley explained, there was always something about them she felt unsure about. Somebody's shyness or a look in his eye. She was very preoccupied with getting into the right relationship, but unconsciously she was doing all she could to protect herself from getting into one at all because she was terrified of repeating the disappointment and the hurt she had already endured. Amy was in danger of falling into another trap outlined by Dryden. If you avoid doing anything that you might regret later, you will disengage from relationships, opportunities, and eventually life itself. And the irony is, there is no more powerful source of regret than that. Once Amy could make a shift towards allowing herself to get it wrong, she was able to move forward the first date with the man, even though she was not sure he was entirely right for her. This was the only way she could get to know which men she liked and which she did not. We have to open ourselves up to the possibility of making mistakes and regretting them in order to learn from the experience. That's not an easy thing to do, Rotsley says. But with practice, it does get easier because the more we can allow ourselves to make mistakes, if we can learn from them, the fewer mistakes we make. She has seen patients like Amy go on to develop long-term fulfilling and loving relationships. But regret does not only serve as a defense against the risk of loving, it can serve a darker purpose, allowing people to hide from the deeper pain of remorse, Morgan says. Remorse involves insight into what one has done to others. That is the beginning of becoming aware of how our one behaves and wanting to do something differently. It is a real breakthrough in therapy when people can begin to experience genuine remorse for what they've done. Something authentic starts to happen. What does it take to move from using regret as a stick with which to beat ourselves to experience remorse as a way forward to a better future? Dryden believes it requires a shift from an inflexible mindset filled with certainty such as I absolutely should have done this and I absolutely shouldn't have done that, which he calls the enemy of learning, to asking the question, I wonder why I didn't do that. 
Once you are occupying this more flexible frame of mind, he suggests imagining you are talking to a loved one, be it a child, friend, or spouse, and to find that same space of acceptance and compassion for yourself. He makes a point that I find myself thinking about weeks later. There is a tendency with regret to see the pathway you didn't take as inevitably better than the pathway you did. It may well be that this other pathway would indeed have worked out better, but the point is that we cannot know for sure. It is that certainty, that transformation into knowledge of what can only ever really be a supposition. That is the hallmark of toxic regret. It is the ability to accept yourself, to recognize that there was a wider context to your actions, and to understand that you made the decisions you made based on the values and the information you had at that time. That leads to remorse and self-knowledge, Dryden says. Take the psychological equivalent of cod liver oil, which doesn't taste nice but will do you good except the point. Difficult to swallow, though it may be that yes, it would have been nice if you had made a different choice, but you could only have acted as you did at the time in those circumstances. You know, and just from going through this article, you know, we understand how regret does seriously damage one's mental health and one's spirit and one's mind. You know, just think about that example of the banker who was in his 50s, who had worked seven days a week for 25 years. That's how the article starts off with. I mean, imagine working seven days a year for 25 years. <clears throat> and I'm sure these were not just your, your typical eight-hour shifts. I'm sure there's times where he was there longer than eight hours. And so to have a family, to have children, and you're literally working seven days a week? Don't think that that's by coincidence, brothers and sisters. Don't think that money was made by coincidence. Money is a Nephilim man-made hybrid creation in Babylon to keep you enslaved. Think about all those years. That's a lifetime. That's almost, that's a, a majority of one's lifetime, 25 years. Say you live to 100, which people are, oh my God, that's so old. That's not that old. 100's not old. My great-grandma was 110 in Nigeria. But think about, say you lived to 100 and you spent 25 of those years working for a bank and making other people wealthy just so that you could become wealthy. You take, you you trade in all of your time, basically your energy force for paper, only to have the ones that you are so-called doing it for reject you and despise you. And you can't blame them. They don't even know you. How would how would your kids know you if you're gone seven days a week? You miss out on every single memory. You know, your family would become resentful. Your wife would become resentful. Your kids would become resentful because you're just, you're not even there. And then we think that we can make up for that with just, you know, paying for the bills or taking them on vacations, doing this or that. In this case, how did this guy even go on a vacation? Probably has no life memories with his kids other than memories made at the home when he has a few hours open there's definitely no romance in his marriage there's no doubt about that 
I mean, that to me sounds like an awful existence. Absolute awful existence. And that's what Babylon gives you. You know, and I understand why this man did that, especially if he grew up in poverty, grew up poor, didn't have food on the table, didn't eat. And he saw this as an opportunity that his kids didn't have to do it. I get that. I'm not taken away from that factor, but I'm pointing out the manipulation in Babylon, how it makes us selfish, how it creates negativity, of which all of this creates regret. You're chasing after all of these riches, and they just don't matter in the end. You could be the wealthiest man in the world, but if you don't have a family, you don't have anyone to spend it on, what does it matter? And think about how that person copes. If he's getting older, you're not going to have your kids to be around to want to care for you. You're going to go to a nursing home. And they're more than likely just going to be like, hey, just give us our trust fund and let's let's wash our hands with this. I couldn't imagine that, but that's people's situations. People are like, oh, that's an extreme situation. Okay, who that, that might be an outlier, but it, that doesn't negate the fact that it doesn't happen. That there's numerous people that don't live with that type of regret. The fathers who walked out on their children. The mothers who aborted their children. You know, there's how many different scenarios can we go through? But it's not like this is just by coincidence. It's not like people live in calamity and live in bad situations by coincidence. This is Babylon, brothers and sisters. This is how it was meant to be set up. To the elites, they love reading a story like that. Oh, you gave 25 years of your soul to us and it ruined your family and it created generational curses. That's a success story to them. That is a success story. And we have to be aware that we always have to put it, put, put it back into perspective of Babylon and what we're living in and what we're going through. Just some food for thought. According to the psychcentral.com article entitled Living with Regrets and How to Deal with Them, written by John Amodeo and published on June 3rd, 2018. We all have them and struggle with them. To live fully is to have regrets. They are an unpleasant, though unavoidable part of the human condition. You may know people who proudly declare that they've lived boldly and have no regrets. Believing we shouldn't experience regret places us in double jeopardy. We experience them and wonder what's wrong with us for having them. If we have no regrets, then we either haven't been paying attention or are living in denial. We all screw up sometimes. We might define regrets as something as carrying sorrow or shame regarding past actions or decisions. There are many things we might regret. Perhaps we regret our partnership choice, decisions around our health, finances or career, or not having spent enough time with our loved ones. Maybe we regret that we didn't relish our life enough or take more risk. Perhaps we feel 
badly for having hurt others and are paralyzed by shame to recognize the harm we've caused by our narcissism or insensitivity. A major challenge of being human is to allow ourselves to have regrets without being debilitated by them. Obsessing on past actions or decisions that we feel badly about can lead to depression and rob us of the joy of living. Replaying scenes in our mind and wishing we had done things differently can keep us spinning our wheels, creating much misery, caught in the grip of the, the woulda, coulda, shouldas. We're hijacked from the present moment and punish ourselves with an excessive barrage of self-incriminations. Working with our regrets. Wisdom rarely arises without realizing how unwise or self-absorbed we've been. Good decisions grow out of the, of the muddy waters of our bad decisions. Knowing what we, we know now, it's all too easy to look back and wish we had made different choices. One of the gravest the services we inflict on ourselves is to judge the decisions we made then based upon what we know now. We only gain such knowledge through the portal of trial and error and making mistakes. Making space for regrets and being gentle with them is a step towards softening their hold over us. Affirming that it's natural to have regrets may relieve some of the shame that keeps us frozen. In a climate of gentle self-acceptance, we can turn our attention to what we might learn from our miscues. Redemption lies not in trying to eliminate regrets, but in using them as a doorway to increase our understanding of ourselves, others, and life itself. If we made poor relationship choices in the past, we can make better ones in the future. If we hurt someone due to disrespect or self-destructive behavior, we can commit ourselves to a path to personal growth and mindfulness that increases respect and sensitivity towards ourselves and others. We can consider making amends if doing so is not an unwelcome intrusion. We can work with a therapist or join a 12-step program to help us move forward. As we make wiser choices, we will have less regrets. Embracing remorse. One category of regrets that can be especially troubling is when we've hurt others, especially if we've done so intentionally. In most instances, it is intentional. We were acting from an ignorant or unconscious place. We're hurting inside, so we lash out. We may not be fully aware of our motivation. We may want another to feel the pain that we're in a misguided attempt to muster some sense of power or justice. We can use our regrets as an impetus to find healthier ways to affirm ourselves, communicate our needs, and set boundaries in a healthy way. Recognizing that we did our best with the information or self-awareness we had at the same at the time might relieve a substantial burden of our regrets but it might also be helpful or necessary for emotional healing to notice and embrace remorse for our actions. Remorse refers to a deep moral or emotional anguish for something we've done that we deem to be shameful or wrong. It is comparable to 
healthy shame as opposed to toxic shame, which gets our attention and can help us orient to life and people in a more attuned way. Remorse includes a deep, soulful sorrow. This is different than attacking ourselves or clinging to a core belief that we're bad and don't deserve love. In fact, toxic shame is often the main obstacle to allowing ourselves to feel sorrow and remorse. If we equate the sorrow of hurting someone with the conviction that we're an awful person, we're unlikely to open we're unlikely to open to our sadness. But if we recognize that a part of the human condition is that we sometimes hurt each other, mostly without realizing it fully, then we're more likely to welcome the unavoidable sorrows that are a part of life. If we can find the courage and wisdom to feel the natural sadness of having hurt someone, then we may find a healing pathway for ourselves, as well as a key to repairing relationship rifts. If our partner senses how sad or badly we feel about a harmful behavior or betrayal, then they're more inclined to trust that we really get it and are less likely to repeat it. Our apologies, when coupled with a deeply felt remorse, are infinitely more powerful than the mere words, I'm sorry. Expressing in the cauldron of our sorrow without denigrating ourselves can allow us to become a deeper person and also to cultivate a more soulful empathy towards other, others. The redemption of self-forgiveness dawns as we bring gentleness to our sorrow, learn lessons in a deeply felt way, and dedicate our lives to living with greater integrity, honesty, and mindfulness. We can have regrets without being their prisoner. We can make wiser choices and thereby have less regrets going forward. And this article was just right to the point you know we acknowledge that we're going to have regrets but to have regrets means that you become wiser and you can learn from those regrets and let don't let them hold hold themselves hold yourself hostage and also to live life fully means that you may have regrets in the future but you have to accept the fact that that's life that's what happens and I think what really sticks out to me in this article is the factor of remorse because many people oftentimes will say they regret something but they may not even mean it from a place of remorse you know they may have hurt someone or done something awful to someone and they're only regretful because they don't have access to that person anymore they cannot benefit from that person's life. They may see and look at that person's life and see that that person is doing much better in their life without them. And that's where some regret stems, and it's not genuine. Yeah, yeah, they regret a situation, but they're not remorseful. I mean, they're not even learning from the past experience. They're not learning from that regret that they felt to be a better person you see what I'm saying so the remorse definitely ties everything in really well and I definitely have a, a lot of remorse for situations there's people that I still got to make amends with and vice versa you know a lot of these people may not even be seeking the most high so they're not going to see things that I the way I see them and that's fine and a lot of the time 
these situations are meant to happen so that the most high can clear space and clear room in your life for what's ahead. But we gotta remember to be remorseful because that is truly what helps heal and helps show that person that you care. According to the bestlifeonline.com article entitled 50 Regrets Everyone Has Over 50, written by Sarah Crow and published on September 12, 2020. Everyone has regrets in life. Whether you still kick yourself for not catching that home run ball at a baseball game or you wish you'd pick a different career path. As you get older, instead of dissipating, those regrets tend to start piling up. According to a 2016 survey by life insurance company Alliance, 32% of respondents said they regretted major life decisions they had made. Number one, not doing more for others. A little altruism can go a long way when it comes to avoiding regret later in life. The results from the Alina survey suggest that more than a fifth of people would prioritize volunteering if they had more time. Number two, not nurturing good relationships. Relationships don't always work out and it's rarely easy on either party involved. Unfortunately, many people realize too late that they could have done more to keep the relationship healthy. People regret how they treated their spouse, parents, or children, whether that was neglectful and dismissive treatment or in some way abusive, says Salan. Number three, not ending abusive relationships sooner. Of course, not every relationship is a good one, and many people find themselves regretting the time they wasted on partners who didn't value them or were abusive. People feel regret for letting the relationship last as long as it did, says licensed therapist Eric Patterson. If they had had to do it all again, they would end the relationship at the first indication of trouble. Number four, not asking that person out. Wondering about something that could have changed the course of your life is not abnormal for folks over 50. Decades later, you may find yourself thinking about what would have happened if you had been brave enough to ask that cute classmate out in high school. Number five, letting the passion die. Few relationships can infinitely maintain the passion they had in the first weeks or months, but that ends up leading to some serious regrets. According to a 2012 research from Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management, 18.1% of studies subjects cited romantic relationships as the biggest source of regret. Number six, being an inattentive partner. When you're in your 60s, 70s, and 80s, it's likely that you'll look back fondly on those nights you spent f- toiling away at work while your partner tried to connect with you. We cannot turn back the clock and build better relationships, says Colorado-based psychologist and life transit expert Eliza Robin. Number seven, getting divorced. Divorce can be the best choice for a couple, but it can also be a source of regret later if it's too hasty or too hostile. In one 2016 survey by AVO, 27% of women polled admitted to regretting their divorce, while 39% of men said the same. Number eight, staying married for your kids. 
while giving up your marriage too quickly may be a regret for some. Many others find themselves wishing they'd left a bad relationship sooner. Licensed marriage and family therapist Elizabeth Goldberg says that among her patients, staying in a bad marriage is the number one regret of people over 50. Number nine, holding on to grudges. Sure, it may feel good to protect yourself by holding on to a grudge after someone has wronged you, but odds are you'll live to regret it later. Few people go to their grave thinking, I'm so glad I stayed angry at that person. We ho hold on to our own wounds and sorrows when we do not forgive, says Robin. Often we forget what we were even upset about or realize that in the scheme of life, it was a minor hurt. Number 10, not preparing their kids for independence. Many parents find themselves regretting choices they've made, but few weigh on them quite as heavily as their lack of foresight when it came to preparing their kids for adulthood. We do a lot of pampering with this, with this generation and we forget to teach life skills, says therapist Stacy Haynes. Number 11, not spending more time with your kids. You've probably heard the old adage about parenting. The days are long, but the years are short. In many cases, one of the biggest regrets parents have is not spending more time bonding with their children when they had the chance. Many people regret spending too much time at work and not enough time with their children, says Robin. We often focus on providing or perhaps succeeding, but forget that our families will not be with us forever. Number 12, spending too little time with your parents. We only get a certain number of years to spend with our parents. Sadly, many people take those familial bonds for granted while their moms and dads are still alive, only to regret it once they've passed. Many people wonder later what else they might have, have learned from their parents, says Robin. Number 13, trying to live up to your parents' expectations. Having a good relationship with your parents can be a wonderful thing. However, trying to live up to their expectations, no matter the personal cost, is a major source of regret in many people's lives. According to the Alliance study, a shocking 35% of respondents admitted they wished they had pursued more of the things they wanted to do, not just the ones expected of them. Do you ever wonder why some people have a, a midlife crisis at 50? Asked Robin. It's because we have bent to the pressure of fitting into our family families or culture's expectations and wonder if it's worth it and think about all the regrets that we all can relate to just from the first 14. Number 14, not being more romantic. Relationships end for a variety of reasons, but few people will tell you that they wish they had been less romantic after all is said and done. In fact, skipping those little chances to show someone how special they are to you with a romantic gesture is often a major regret later in life. Number 15, not finding fulfillment. Whether it's never pursuing the right job or not finding hobbies that spark your interest, a lack of fulfillment is a major regret for many people. 
they might have allowed their limiting beliefs of other people's opinions to get in the way of them achieving their goals, explains therapist Emma DeMar. Consequently, they end up feeling like they have not lived their lives in a way that made them feel fulfilled and truly happy. again so number 16 being too tough on yourself everyone can be self-critical from time to time but if you let those harsh criticisms dictate the way you've lived your life odds are you'll come to regret it the regret is that so much time has been wasted being your own worst enemy instead of learning how to truly love yourself says damara And so I'm just going to end there. I just wanted to put things in perspective. You know, obviously I'm going to link every single article that I speak of in this podcast and all podcasts going forward in the description. And I highly recommend reading it, you know, for my older listeners, I'm sure they can relate to a lot of it. And there's a lot of wisdom that they can share with us as far as the regrets that they've faced. And, you know, one thing that we need to think about is how many of these things that are people regret are in common with Babylon. You know, when Babylon gives us money, which we know is the root of evil, then we spend time chasing that money. It takes away time from our children. So, of course, we regret not being able to bond and spend more time and set our children up for the future the way that we wanted to. Of course, chasing this money, chasing this lifestyle is going to take time away from your significant other. It's going to make it harder to get through the challenges in life together. And this was not done by mistake or a coincidence, brothers and sisters. This was done so that we would have regret throughout our lives. Because the elites know, the, the Nephilim know, they know how to get to us. They know the things that weigh us down. They know the things that are important to us. That's why they put them out of reach. That's why they give you weekends. So you live for the weekends and the rest of the week, you're just in grind mode. You're never stopping to actually live life and appreciate those in your life. That's why the regret is insurmountable for many people. Because before they know it, time has flown by and they've missed out on life. According to the businessinsider.com article entitled, people weighed in on the most common regrets in life and some of their answers will make you cry written by Rachel Gallette and published on September 15th, 2015. Hindsight is 2020, as they say, and often it can lead to regret. Some people have the philosophy that everything happens for a reason, so there's no point in having regrets. But for so many of us, looking back on our lives can lead us to linger on one poignant moment or per a period when we wish we had done things differently. And that nagging question, what if, plays on repeat in our heads. 
This may sound a little melodramatic, but no matter how happy you are, at my age, your regrets are countless. Writes Coro user Gary Teal in response to the question, when people look back on their lives, what are co common regrets they have? You have made decades worth of little miscalculations you can't completely erase from your memory, as well as a number of big mistakes that made life permanently harder. Cora user Bradley Wojtek points to a national survey about the regrets of a typical American, which found 13 common sources for regret. They are in order. Romance, family, education, career, finance, parenting, health, other, friends, spirituality, community, leisure, and self. Von Bell at Mindhacks notes that there are two ways people frame their regrets. The things they did that they wish they hadn't and the things they wish they had done but didn't. Bill writes, the difference between the two is often a psychological one because we can frame the same regret either way as regret about an action, if only I had not dropped out of school or as regret about an inaction, if only I had stayed in school despite the fact that they are practically equivalent regrets framed as laments about actions are more common and more intense than regrets about inaction although inaction regrets tended to be longer lasting here are some of the most common regrets chronicled by quora users answers have been edited for clarity romance i regret that i never fell in love with someone who was in love with me when we would have been easy for me to do children. For as long as I can remember, I have wanted to have kids, but in my younger years, I foolishly assumed that unlike certain accomplishments like my career, like a career, that the marriage and kids things would just happen. Well, they didn't. I dated plenty of people, but never even thought about making family a priority. Then in my late thirties, a bout with ovarian cancer left me permanently infertile. I think about the kids I never had every day, several times a day. I have a great relationship with my nieces and nephews and volunteer at a children's hospital on a regular basis, but it's just not the same to be around other people's kids. I would love to adopt or be a foster mother and hopefully be in a financial and domestic situation that would make this feasible one day. But again, not the same, and it pisses me off when people say, you're lucky you don't have kids, there's so much work, blah, blah, blah. Yes, but a lot of things in life that are worthwhile are also so much work. I think that the mothering instinct is so strong in some women that the knowledge that one will never get a chance to give birth and raise their own ch child goes beyond regret. One that a bar chart cannot capture. I can deal with most of my other regrets in life, but I'm having a hard time dealing with this one. And wow, that's that hit home. Imagine just trading in your literally your life for a career and you end up not being able to have children because your career or because you're a new generation and you're chasing the bag and this person it was honest with themselves they said i think the mothering instinct is so strong in some women like that's how the most High made us Women instinctively are nurturers and love to give birth and be around babies. They love life. They love raising. They love it. A real feminine woman loves that. She shines. She flourishes. 
So to give that up for Babylon, man, I, I have compassion for that person. That's sad. And that's a lot of people's realities. The next one is parents. I regret not choosing to spend more time with my parents in my 20s. I lost my mother in 2000. I feel the loss of the friendship we never had. She was very demanding, very strict, and from the perspective of a young man, very unreasonable. It turned out, as I lived through middle age, that most of the ideals I have today ended up being the ones she put on me. Sometimes after a setback, I feel the impulse to call her, and in the second or so that it takes for me to realize she isn't alive to speak to any longer, I realize how much I still need her. You cannot negotiate with death. It is final, often sudden and personal. The last night I had with her at a hospice in Chicago, I was exhausted and asked her if she minded if I went home. She immediately whispered that absolutely I should rest and to be careful driving home. I curled her fingers around the nurse's call button and kissed her on the forehead. I remember I felt some relief that I was leaving. I know it didn't make a difference leaving at that time or leaving a few hours later. She was going to die either way. But reflecting on that moment today, I know that I didn't understand how precious those minutes were and how a door was being closed that would never open again. Jim Wagner. And man, that, that that's tough to read. I'm not going to lie. That's really, really unfortunate. I'm going to skip all of the Babylonian points that people make as regrets, such as education, <laughs> career, and finance, because none of that's going to matter very soon. We all know that. I'm going to go to parenting. I have but one regret. The last time I did not spend with my children when they were young, I was a typical type A, work-obsessed American male, operating under the false belief that working hard to improve our financial security was my primary goal and responsibility. I was wrong. That time is lost, and while I cannot get it back, I do tell my children and any others that ask when this topic comes up that I am sorry I made that choice and to not repeat my mistakes. And yes, I made a course correction once I got my priorities straight. Since I am very fortunate to have a kind, caring, and forgiving wife for the past 38 plus years, our children turned out okay. But when we look through pictures of those years, there's something noticeably absent. Me. Should you choose to have children, they need to be your priority. The sporting and school events, family outings, and simply time not spent with them can make a significant difference in your children and you. Tim O'Pry. Health. Much of the regrets that people accumulate are rooted in poor mental health. There are literally millions of people who live with undiagnosed low-level depression that emerges, th emerges through their 20s and becomes increasingly severe and debilitating in their 30s. For me, this manifested itself in the form of self-medication with drugs and alcohol initially, followed by ill-fitting career choice choices. Over time, negativity comes to dominate the internal monologue you begin to despise and shortchange yourself. This can lead to many of the inactions that we later regret. Self-doubt is a spiritual spiral of inertia and paralysis some never recover some do for me recovery began with the realization that something was seriously wrong mental illness carries a stigma that keeps us from being honest with ourselves about what's really going on seeking professional help is important but you do most of the work on your own and it can't begin until you admit that you're unwell and choose to take action michael weston You know, I'm going to end it here. But these are just some lessons that 
many people weighed in on as a common regrets in life. And one thing we got to note is that this is not the creation of the Most High. Working to live and living to work helps create that regret in our romance, the regret with our children and parenting, the regret with not spending time with our parents, the regret of not spending time with friends and family, the regret of putting money first before the things that actually mattered in life. And we got to remember, it's time to come up out of this system. It, it does you no good. It does none of us any good. And it's falling. According to the mindbodygreen.com article entitled, The Nine Most Common Regrets People Have at the End of Life, written by Grace Blue Rock and published on February 24, 2020. The six years I spent working in hospice care were some of the most profound and meaningful of my life. I sat at the bedsides of dying men and women as they tried to make peace with their time spent on this earth. Although each person's life story was unique, certain disappointments were expressed time and time again. These nine regrets expressed by hospice patients can teach us how to start living a better life today. Number one, they wish they had been more loving to the people who matter the most. Many people express sorrow for not having been more understanding, caring, and present for the people who were important to them. They wish they had the courage to say, I love you more often. Number two, they wish they had been a better spouse, parent, or child. The people I worked with often regretted taking their families for granted. After all, once they got terminally ill, it was their families who stuck by them to hold their hand, provide love and companionship, and care for them around the clock. Even if your family is not perfect, they're probably the ones who are there for you when you need them. Remember to express gratitude for them daily. Number three, they wish they had not spent so much time working. Many had worked long, hard hours, and they regretted missing the important moments in their kids' lives. I remember one such person, a salesman, whose boss expected him to travel three weeks each month when he had a younger daughter at home. Although he was an excellent provider for her, he never got to know her well. As she became older, he tried to form a relationship with her, but it was too late to make up for the lost time. He never fully forgave himself for choosing time at work over time with her. Remember that you have choices when it comes to your job. Choose a company that values a healthy work-life balance. It's okay to respectively decline additional assignments that would require you to work behind your assigned hours. Your job is important, but there are other things in life that are just as important. Number four, they wish they had taken more risk. Many felt that a, that a fear of failure caused them to play it too safe. They knew that they would have had richer, more fulfilling lives had they taken some risk and disturbed the status quo. Number five, they wish they had been happier and enjoyed life more. Many people regret regretted the time they wasted worrying about things beyond their control. They didn't realize they were capable of choosing fun and happiness until it was too late. Spend a few minutes every day doing something that you love and that brings you joy. Number six, they wish they had lived their dream. Many people's lifelong dreams were unfulfilled because they were too concerned with trying to live up to someone else's expectations. You are the only one who knows what's best for you. 
Allow yourself to be open to endless possibilities when envisioning your dream. Remember the mantra, this or something even better. Number seven, they wish they had taken better care of themselves. Most patients thought if they'd eaten better, slept more, and paid more attention to their health and well-being, they might not have gotten sick. They wish they had made self-care more a priority. Make time to go on a nature walk, take a nap, or meditate each and every day. Number eight, they wish they had done more for others. I heard countless wishes from people who dreamed of making a difference through kindness, compassion, and acts of service. Many patients made the decision, oftentimes right from their hospice beds, to donate their money to charities and service organizations so they could positively affect the lives of others after they were gone. Number nine, they wish they had chosen more meaningful work. Many expressed that they had never enjoyed their job, but had stuck with it year after year to pay the bills. They wish instead that they had chosen work that was in line with their purpose and passions, work that they were excited about and gave them a sense of fulfillment. Take some time to get crystal clear on what you are passionate about. You can then begin looking for a work that speaks to these passions. You know, the article is short but sweet. It's an opinion piece, but from the perspective of someone who worked in hospice around people who were literally dying it's eye-opening it's completely eye-opening and it's it's needed to hear because we can all learn something from our elders we really can according to the tinybuddha.com article entitled 40 ways to live without regrets written by jenny nichols saddest summary of life contains three descriptions could have might have and should have we all have something stored in our memory banks of the past that we wish we could have done differently or something we wish we didn't do as we get older we learn to learn and grow but that doesn't mean we have to regret what we did before we learn how to do things differently if we didn't go through those experiences we might not have grown into the strong and knowledgeable people we are today what I'm proposing is that we get rid of the negative thoughts, the could-haves, might-haves, and should-haves, and start living a life that won't make us feel regretful, not even at an older, wiser age. Here is a list of things you can do to practice living life with no regrets. Number one, realize that it's okay to make mistakes. Just make sure to learn from them, forgive yourself, and move on. Number two, make your health and wellness a top priority, and always take care of yourself so you're ready to take care of others. Number three, follow your own path, not one that others want you to follow. Number four, find the humor in life and laugh like there is no tomorrow. Number five, relax and move with the flow of life by being unafraid of change. Number six, be adventurous by trying new things and taking more risk. Number seven, have more intellectual curiosity and embrace creativity. Number eight, try to find happiness with as many different people as you can. Number nine, think for yourself instead of letting other people's opinions influence you too much. Number 10, try not to judge people before you get to know them. Number 11, be thankful for what you have now instead of thinking about what you don't have. Number 12, wish well upon everyone equally and try to admire without envy. Number 13, share your happiness with others instead of hoarding it all for yourself. Number 14, don't try to change someone, love who they are now. Number 15, enjoy the journey, not just the destination. Number 16, know that happiness is bigger than any bank account. 
Number 17, control negative thoughts so that they don't contribute to the outcome of your life. Number 18, use your energy wisely because spending energy complaining, worrying, or being impatient is just wasted energy. Number 19, be bold. Find the courage to change things that should be changed and accept that there are some things that cannot be changed. Number 20, love your work. If you don't currently love what you do, figure out what you would love and take the first steps toward that life. Number 21, turn your discontent into a mystery and enjoy trying to solve it. Number two, 22, face problems from different angles in order to find solutions. 23, gain independence by realizing that on this earth we are all dependent on each other. Number 24, change your perspective by taking on a wider view of things. Number 25, don't waste time trying to bring disagreeable people around to liking you. Number 26, become the person you would like to spend the rest of your life with. Number 27, be honest with yourself and others by saying what you mean and meaning what you say. Number 28, treat people with respect and compassion. Number 29, live in the now by loving the present and being aware of your thoughts and actions. Think happy thoughts and speak powerful words. Number 30, try not to put things off until later. Number 31, never hold grudges. Number 32, face your fears head on and try to do the things that you think you cannot do. Number, number 33, spend time with people who make you happy while also not depending on other people for your own happiness. Number 34, stand up for yourself and others and don't let anyone or anything hold you back. Number 35, be yourself and love who you are now. Number 36, be a participant in life rather than an observer. Number 37, do the things that you love to do as much as you can. Number 38, write out a list of goals and achieve them by doing them step by step. Don't give up when things get difficult. Number 39, do something every day that makes you feel proud of yourself. Commit random acts of kindness whenever you get the chance. Number 40, and always keep on moving forward. And I think this list is very spot on, especially with how a lot of righteous people live. A lot of people who are coming into the truth of life live. You have to get to a point when you are living by the laws, the statutes, the commandments to let go of past regrets. And it's going to become easier and easier to do so. You don't know what you don't know, right? So move on. Do better. And like I mentioned previously, in the days, weeks, and months ahead, we have very dark days to get through. And idol worshipers will regret their decisions to put Babylon, Nephilim, and man before the Most High. You know, whether these people are atheists or are in other religions or they openly and boastfully hate the Most High and the creation, all of them are going to regret their decisions. Every single last one of them. You know, maybe not Nephilim. I don't know what their end goal is other than just destruction of us. But maybe some of them will feel regret. Who knows? And those who always follow their tell-eye vision will regret ever watching and listening to these entertainers, to these celebrities, to these idols. Regret is going to swarm in on people and that's why we do what we do and we warn. We warn out of love and correction. We warn to share wisdom, knowledge, and understanding so that we can all make better decisions, so that we can all have a better future for our children. That's why we do this work. 
Isaiah chapter 1 verse 28, but calamity awaits rebels and sinners together, and those who forsake the Most High will perish. What did I say before about calamity and regret? Regret is calamity. And the people that allow it to get to the point where they take their lives, clearly they're up to their necks in it. And it's debilitating. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20, woe to those who speak of evil as good and of good as evil who make darkness into light and light into darkness. They make bitter into sweet and bit sweet into bitter. And this needs to be said of those who worship their idols, that worship Babylon. You're just being led astray. And you will regret once you see that these systems never cared about you at all and actually are leading you to the slaughter. Many people are going to regret that the day they realize that. And that day, I believe, is coming up soon, sooner than later. I'm not going to say it's going to happen to everyone, but it's going to happen to an overwhelming majority of people. They're going to be filled with regret for not getting right with the Most High, filled with regret for calling people who just warned them conspiracy theorists or crazy or anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, anti-any corny little slogan that they run with. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 22, but there is no peace for the wicked, said the Most High. There's no peace. When you rebel against the Most High, you're just going to be up to your neck with regrets. You're spending your time, your life energy, your, your, your time on this earth doing the wrong things, supporting the wrong things, taking away from time with family, with your spouse, with friends, with your parents, with, with anyone. All for Babylon. Think about it. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 22. For my people are stupid. They have not recognized me. They are foolish children and they are not discerning. They are wise at doing evil, but know not how to do good. You know, that's why I speak on generational curses. Because we pass them down. We don't have discernment. We are wise at doing evil, but know not how to do good. We continue to love these systems, these Nephilim, Babylonian beast systems. We love them. And therefore, they continue to destroy us. Until it's too late. Amos chapter 5 verse 10 They despise the one who admonishes by the gate and the one who speaks purely they detest Just know when you're doing righteous work and you're living righteously you're gonna get detractors you're gonna get naysayers cape crusaders doubters anybody who can throw a wrench in your work you're gonna see it but just don't let it deter you they're the ones who will live in regret not you and that's just the straight truth you won't be the one living in regret for seeking the most high and finding peace of mind through the laws, the statutes, the commandments, through justice, righteousness, and truth. In fact, you will be free. And we have to understand regret. And we have to forgive ourselves and get in front of it and make the necessary changes in order to move on, brothers and sisters. Let's put the regret behind us, but let's also be wise enough to know that things happen and we shouldn't shy away from living either. We stick with the instructions of the Most High, you will be good in the days ahead and you will have less regrets. Best believe that. Peace to you all. A warning to the wicked. May the Most High bring calamities, strife, and iniquities upon you. To those who curse me, 
my family, and are aiming to retaliate against me for exposing them. To those who hate the Most High and the righteous men and women along with the creation. To those who trick or mock the Most High's righteous men and women. To those who want to see me lose my career, my livelihood, my health, my finances, or even my life. May the Most High do unto you tenfold. May the Most High put a curse upon you and eradicate you and your entire family seed and lineage. May you no longer inhabit the earth, for the Most High speaks through me. I'm here to do the righteous work. Therefore, I will send a curse upon those who wish for my downfall. Peace and blessings to all of the righteous men and women of the Most High. Peace and blessings to all of those who have been on their own narrow path of the righteous with the Most High, and to those who are beginning on their own narrow path of the righteous with the Most High. May the Most High continue to bless you, protect you, guide you, and provide you with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. May your life be fulfilled and may you have peace of mind all of your days along with your family lineage. All praises to the Most High and the Most High only. Peace.